everyone, this is Robin Swift along with Carol Malinsky, and we have a unique opportunity today to reveal some CEO servant leadership insights from the one and only Art Barter. Art is the owner and CEO of Daytron World Communications, a global radio manufacturing company in Vista, California, and he's the founder and CEO of the Servant Leadership Institute, for those of you that don't know that. And the Institute is right here in Carlsbad, California. We're here in our media room, and it's great to have you here. You've been a busy guy lately. Great to be here. It's always fun to come in the studio, hang out with you guys. Uh, yeah, it's been give, a while. give the audience a picture here. I've got, you know, Brian's over here doing some video stuff that you guys may, may see down the road. But I have Robin across from me, who heads up the uh, Servant Leadership Institute, and Carol, who has been fortunate enough to be around me since 1997. That's correct. Well, that's why we have her here. When you answer yep. these questions, She's we got seen her it on and the experience <laughs> all. So, I give you the yeah. thumbs up and the thumbs down. Yeah, we yeah, know. And so, she has that look. If, you know, you know the look she gives you. Oh, I know. And, and if things get a little too um um you know, if I don't like where the conversation is going, hey, podcast is done. I'm out of here. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay. Well, the listeners will uh, know that. Yeah. For you guys listening to us for the first time uh, and don't know us, we joke about this all the time. Uh, that's the environment we have. So uh, I'm honored to be here. And for those of you who are digging out from snow, and I know there's some of uh. you out there. I, I can see the sun from the studio, and it's still cold out there. It's, it's still cool for us because it's like in the 60s. 60s. Yeah, it's still cold, so yeah. we're still wearing jackets out here. And rain four days in a row, you'd think we all were just yeah, going to go, yeah. like, to pieces. Yeah, so anyway, great to be here. I, this is my favorite favorite spot to be in the studio and and trying to add value to people's lives. So, yeah, great to be here. Yeah, so let's add some value. Okay, you got it. Art, your story is well documented in your latest book, The Art of Servant Leadership, too. Um, but for our listeners who may be hearing you for the first time, what motivated you to start the Institute? Well, it, the Institute got started after we had spent about six years implementing servant leadership at Daytron World Communications. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, to give people a bit of background on on that journey, I had worked for public companies most of my career, and in 2004, had an opportunity to buy the division I was working at. I was general manager of the, of the division, and my parent company wanted to sell it, and so I submitted an offer and was able to buy it. And at that point in my career, I, I had already made a decision that I was not going to be a power leader anymore, that I was tired of giving my all to other companies, um, tired of sacrificing my time with family uh, so I could go off and travel and do work and all that, but I, I thought that was the most important thing in my life, um, <clears throat> and got tired of being used, um, and got tired of spending time away from my family, and I was missing my kids growing up, Jennifer, my daughter, and Chris, my son, and I decided that if I ever got a chance to own a company and define the culture, I was going to lead it in a different way and selected servant leadership. Now, 
prior to the opportunity to buy Daytron the year before, Ken Blanchard got a hold of me and he took his, I call it the Ken Blanchard two by four. <laughs> and if, if you know Ken Blanchard, he, he's like hanging, he, you know, he'll, he'll tell you every, everything and anything. Um, and that's what I love about him. And he basically said, all right, you have to lead in a different way and you have to take the org chart and turn it upside down. And he's the one that challenged me to look at leadership from a servant's perspective instead of a self perspective. And so he got me started down that journey, spent a year or so studying about servant leadership and what that really meant. And then when we bought the company in November of 2004, we decided to create a culture uh, that was based around serving rather than self-serving. And so we focused on our, on our customers. We serve our customers, our vendors, our suppliers, our employees. Um, we serve everybody that comes into our path. And so that is what got me started in servant leadership. Now we went out and looked for servant leadership training and we couldn't find anybody teaching about servant leadership implementation. Mm. A lot of people teaching about what servant leadership was. I was looking for someone that had been there that could help me go implement it in my company. Mm. I'm multinational, a multicultural manufacturing company, so I had a lot of things to consider. And we couldn't find anybody that we really liked, and so we spent some money, invested about half a million dollars in, in our own training program, ended up training people, um, I think about 45 hours each for each employee over a two-year period. We got everybody trained, and that's when we started to see some great results in, in Daytron's performance. And we were encouraged, excuse me again, we were encouraged to share what we had found out and learned about implementing servant leadership. What was it like? What did you experience? Um, what wouldn't you do again? Because some of the things we tried didn't work. What worked for you? And so we were encouraged to share that and we thought the best way to do that is through an institute that, that taught servant leadership. And you know, for the people listening today, servant leadership doesn't have my name on it. It doesn't have a name on it because our core belief is servant leadership is the most important thing to be part of the institute, not an individual. And we've, we've stuck to our guns with that. We were told we'd have to call it something else if we wanted to be successful in the business world. Mm -hmm. And we said, no, we're going to call it servant leadership because servant requires you to do something for someone else. And we like that. Um, so you won't find my name anywhere on the Institute because it's not about art. This is about leading in a different way and leading from a serving perspective and helping people get better and add value to everyone you come in contact with. So we started it basically because people were asking us to share our knowledge and we thought that was the best way to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what's interesting that you just kind of brushed over there, but in the, in the mindset of a CEO, you know, I always find it fascinating to, there's very few of you really, you know, there's far more people in an organization doing various functions. And I think what's so fascinating is you said, you know, I was looking for somebody to help me implement servant leadership. And when I couldn't find that, I just went and did that. I mean, <laughs> you just kind of brush over that, but well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a big undertaking. You know, it's, it's a um, decision. I wanted to live my life differently. And, you know, I'm a man of faith, and, and that has some things to do with it. But um, set that aside because my, my, I believe my faith is personal to me. 
and I don't require that of my companies. I, I don't really care what you believe in that arena. Um, and we have everybody that works at our company. All, the only common thing that we want people to have at Daytron is a heart to help people. And you know, you don't have to have a, a spiritual life to do that. Everybody can do that. Right. And and so there's no criteria for that. But for me, that was a bit of the driving force. And for me, it was a changing about who I was as an individual. Uh, because I'd spent 20 plus years in the corporate world worrying about myself and not about others. And what I found out over a two year period was my priorities were out of whack and I, weren't, I wasn't putting my family at the top of the priority list like I should have been. Mm -hmm. They were at the bottom of the priority list. And um, so when you make that decision to serve other people and you start with your family, uh, this isn't a decision you take lightly, and it wasn't an option for me to go back because I had been there, I'd done that, I knew the heartache it caused to my family and to me, and I wasn't willing to let that happen again. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I have a couple stories with my kids. But I remember my kids being worried that when I traveled to countries in uh, Africa, I traveled to countries in Asia, um, went through uh, a lot of different um, environments. I've been into Afghanistan. And you know, when you do that as a business person, you don't realize the impact it has on your family. And we start to realize that your kids who are early teens are worrying about whether their dad is going to be shot down right. uh, or have a you know plane crash, maybe not come home from his business trip because he's, he's traveling to some interesting places. It has a big impact on you when you find out that they're worried that you're not going to come home. Mm -hmm. um, I will share with you, we used to fly uh, Singapore Airlines all the time, SQ5 and SQ6. Um, a salesman, Jeff Good, who um, used to work for us. He and I used to travel back and forth to Asia all the time. And one of those, I think it was SQ5, was the return flight uh, out of uh, Taiwan. And one night, they had a, a horrible storm. They had closed down one of the runways. The pilot didn't see that the runway was closed and under construction and the plane had crashed and people died. Mm. And for me, I said, I've been on that flight probably about 10 to 12 times coming home. Mm. And that one went, wow, my kid's concern is real. Because yeah. it doesn't have to happen in a war zone, it can happen anywhere. And so that's where I said, you know, I'm not going back to that world again. I've done that, I've been there, I don't like the pain that I caused my family, I don't like the pain I caused myself, and so going back's not an option. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'll, I'm committed to it, and stepping backwards wasn't an option for me, yeah. So is that a shift that you're telling us about when one you know, has a different point of view of thinking of others? I mean, in the moment of, of doing that, you're, you're in a different mindset, right? When you're just living that type of life. It is, and you know, when you think about your kids, if you have kids or, or someone special in your life, and you say that you love that person unconditionally, think about what that means. Uh, that means there's no condition to your love. 
and they can mess up and they can do all kinds of crazy things and you know I was a teenager I know what I did when I was a teenager and and if you can love your kids unconditionally when they're doing stupid things right <laughs> guess what that 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 means more to your family than anything else you do when you show them that you are willing to give them unconditional love regardless of what happened or they wrecked a car you know did something stupid stayed out too late um, seeing that reaction from your kids when you do that and you do it from the heart is priceless yeah. and that's when the family believes that you really want to be a better dad a better father um, a better husband and you know that part um, we can work in all the companies we want to and have fun and but if that part of our life is in turmoil life is in turmoil and um, I think for me you know when I hear my wife Lori she says you know if servant leadership can change art it can change anybody <laughs> yeah. all right think about that for a minute yeah. so, you know we laugh about it but I go was that really that tough right. was I was I that bad and I think for me calling back home when I was in Africa 15 to 20 minutes every other day and talking to Lori and my kids for 15 or 20 minutes I, I thought that was good enough yeah. and guess what it's not good enough it's not good enough um, you have to be in the present you have to meet them where they are you have to be able to serve them and serving from the heart and so yeah it's it wasn't an option for me and um, we had some other experiences in 2004 in the corporate world which I won't get in now and in, into now but I, I vowed that I would never put our employees through that experience that I was put through with the corporate company uh, because it was a lot of pain a lot of uncertainty Carol you were here during that time frame and you know what it, it's I don't want to put people through that. I want them to be happy to come to work. And, you know, I met a CEO of a, of a large software company back in, I think, North Carolina. He has a 300,000 uh, acre campus. And we we're meeting up in his office. His daughter was about ready to give birth. And he carved out 40 minutes of time for us. And he says, you know, I may have to jump out of here really mm -hmm. quick because my daughter's on her way to the hospital. I said, what are you doing talking to me? You need to go. <laughs> And he says, no, it's important that I share some of my knowledge with you. And he says, I look out at my campus, and there's two gates at each end of the campus for people to, to come and, and leave at night. And he says, as I watch my employees leave, I think it's my job. He says, no, I, I believe it's my job to make sure they want to come back in the morning, mm -hmm. that they want to come back in the morning. Mm -hmm. And when you're serving your employees, right, you, you want them to enjoy their work because life and work are all integrated and if yeah. you're happy in one you can be happy in the other it and, and it, as a ceo i don't ever want people to say the word daytron and think that daytron was the one that took their parents or grandparents away from them because we didn't care about the family you know our, our value number one value is our families come first and we truly believe that this company will survive if I have to go spend time with my family. If anybody has to go spend time, go take care of your family first, and then we'll worry about the work because the work's going to continue. 
whether we're here or not. And this idea that we're all invaluable is a bunch of hogwash because, you know what, companies go on. Uh, it's not about one person. Uh, unless you're a one-person shop, then that's a different thing. So a lot of stuff there, but for me, yeah, I brush over because it's not an option for me to go back. I don't worry about going back because I, I know how deep that hole was. I know the way out, and I don't ever want to get back in it again, Yeah, unless I'm helping somebody else get out of the hole. Right? Yep. Yeah, that makes good sense. Yep. Yeah. Um, Art, we posted a quote from you recently on social media, and the quote was, a lot of leaders don't know when to get out of the way and let people who know how to do the work do the work. Can you tell us more about this? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we run a manufacturing company, and I have people building product. So guess who knows how to build that product better than Art Barter? The people who build it every day. So when there is a problem with the product that we're either, we track first pass yields on testing. If, if that's not where we want it to be, what we try and teach our leaders to do is go ask the people who are doing the work because they'll know what's going on with that mm -hmm. product. And we had a product four or five years ago that was losing money with a, a large defense contractor that we do business with. It wasn't a finished product. We were providing them some modules and they were we were having cost issues and we were losing money on the contract. And I said, I have two options. I can go see what I can do to, to reduce the cost, but I have to go back to the customer to get their approval to, to reduce it. Mm -hmm. Or I can go to the customer and say, listen, I need a, a price increase. Uh, and if I can't get the price increase, then you need to go find another supplier and we'll work with you in that transition because I can't continue to lose money. We decided on the latter because it was a very tightly controlled spec product and we were building to their specifications. So I went and met with the program manager and I said, listen, I, here's where we are. We're losing money. I can't continue to lose money on this program. And we talked about options and what we agreed to was we could go off and recommend cost changes they would approve them and then they would let us keep those cost changes, mm. right? We wouldn't have to pass it on to them. They'd let us keep it so we could get our margin to where we're making money. And you know what happened there is we were honest with the customer. Here's where we are. Here's the options we see. We'd like to have your feedback on how to solve this, this problem. And they were very open. Uh, they were very appreciative. They didn't want to change suppliers. They liked working with us. They liked working with our people. So. Uh, they said, we'll let you keep the cost savings, which was great. So what did I do? I went back and said, hey, guys, we have an opportunity to, to, to change costs. So I had some leaders who decided to get other leaders together to go figure out how to save money on this. I put on my blue coat, which is our, <laughs> our non-static right. you know, coat. Right. And I went down to the production floor, to that line that built the product. And I said, guys, tell me where the cost is in this thing. And they said, well, the first thing is we've got this piece of metal that goes on. It's got 24 screws in it. I said, why 24 screws? He said, I have no idea. Well, let's look at that. Then we looked at how did this goes apart. This, go, this goes together. And I spent 45 minutes with the team down there asking them their opinion. And I got more out of that 45 minutes than I got from a couple hours from my leadership team. Uh, the, the couple of people that were meeting trying to figure out what to do. And so my encouragement there is go talk to people who do the work because they know it's wrong. 
They know what needs to be improved, so go talk to the people who do it. And you know what's important for servant leaders is, is we invest in people, we invest in their training, we help them with great vision and great purpose. Uh, we say it, tell them what the what the values of the company are. We we train them in servant leadership, and then at a point you have to get out of the way. Leaders have to get out of the way, and having leaders step back and give their power away. That is the biggest challenge leaders have today because they see power as and control as security. And as long as they're in the control, guess what? They're secure, they think they have a job. Right. When the best thing they could do for the organization is give that knowledge away and that power away and let the people doing the work make those decisions so they get done faster, the decisions are better, they're implemented with ownership. Now the employee owns that process because they were part of it. And now you can pass that education into ownership, which is something we teach about. How do you take education and turn it into an ownership thought mindset with employees? And that's how you do that. Um, and so, yeah, that that's that's kind of gives you an idea of what I believe there um, and what that statement is all about. Yeah. You really accomplished so much beyond the cost the resolution of the cost issue there, Art, because now the employees see you not as this guy who's up in a corner office somewhere, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Just handing down edicts to right. people. Yep. That you respected them enough to go to them for the solution. Right. Just, you know, gains you lots and lots of points. Yeah, you know, we hire forward. people based on their uh, competency. We hire for character first right. and then competency. And you, and you hire people and you pay them a lot of money, why aren't you letting them do their work? Yeah. Why aren't you letting them do sounds, their job? It sounds, I mean, so, it sounds simple, so easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, you, you often say that, get out of your office, go talk to people. Yeah. You know, it makes so much sense. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, when we first, when I first joined Daytron, the CEO, I, I liked him, his name was Dave. But ever, I think it was every, thir was it every Thursday, Carol? He, yes. He, he would leave his office and walk yes. around. Now, the people love that. They love seeing him because they knew on that particular day at that time he was going to walk around. What he was missing was he wasn't paying very well. He didn't have great benefits. He didn't take care of the employees' needs. But every Thursday at 10 o'clock in the morning, he'd walk around and say hi to people. It was more so like... don't think that walking around saying hi to people is going to solve it. You have to, you have to provide for the basic needs yes. of your employees and good benefits good salary, pay them for the work they, that, and that's, that's the part of the equation that a lot of leaders miss, is when you say walk to talk, okay, well, I'll go for a walk. I'm walking my talk. Well, how about we behave to talk five days a week, right? Yeah. It's so. more like the king visiting the subjects than it is. Well, they like to see the king, right? And yeah. goes around and smiles and says, I, I like Dave. I, I got he along great with him. Guy. He was a wonderful guy. And he had a sense of humor that kept you, kept you laughing and I did some things um, in our program in Zimbabwe when uh, he was CEO, and he didn't believe I could get the deal done. And, and you know, the best thing you can tell me is tell me I can't do something. <laughs> and you tell me I can't do it, I'm gonna go make it happen. Well, God, I made it happen, and it was a lot of fun to accomplish that because there were only a couple of us in the company that thought we could actually make that deal happen. That was Zimbabwe, yeah. our first $15 million in, in a deal in Zimbabwe, and nobody in the company thought we could do it. And we did anyway. Um, and it, 
it took a lot of time away from my family. I think there was one stint. I was in Zimbabwe for six weeks straight. Six weeks. Um, if you asked me to go away today for six weeks for anything, the answer would be no. I wouldn't do mm -hmm. it. I, I just wouldn't do it because it's not worth being away from my family that much. Yeah, priorities yeah. shifting. And, yeah. you know, Art, we talk a lot about flipping the org chart in servant leadership. So the leader is at the bottom and the, the highest leader, the CEO, is at the bottom. Right. So in this case, talk to us about as a CEO and a servant leader, what makes your viewpoint different? And, and what are you looking at that no one else in the organization is looking at? What can you well, see that we do? Yeah, come well, on, let us sit on some <laughs> insights here. First of all, when you have a published org chart, and I'm not saying org charts are bad, <laughs> but I don't publish an org chart in, in Datron. And, and here's the reason we don't. We believe that we want employees to go to anybody at any time about anything to serve the customer. So I don't want people going up and down the org chart for three weeks trying to get an answer to serve a customer that they should be able to serve them in a couple hours. Now, most of our customers are overseas, uh, international, uh, Middle East, Africa, Asia, Latin America, all in different time zones. And so usually when we get a customer inquiry in the morning, they're going home. So we have all day to take care of it. I don't want people spending time like little rats in a maze going through the org chart to get to the people they need to talk to, especially when they find out the person they needed the answer from is two cubicles down from them, <laughs> but they had to go through four levels of an org chart to right. get there, right? Um, but I, I will tell you what Ken taught me. And these simple words, I remember them like it was yesterday. He says, Art, you don't have anybody to serve unless you turn your org chart upside down. Because as long as you're at the top of the org chart, they're serving you. That's the message that, yeah. you're, that you're sending. When you turn the org chart and put your name at the bottom, guess what? Now you have a whole organization to serve now. And, you know, in a public company... You know, CEO serves the board, the shareholders, that, but that's only part of it. That's sharing results and what you did with their investment. Really, the people you need to serve are the people who are taking that money and putting it to use. Those are the people who are going to return profits to your shareholders. Mm -hmm. So go spend time with them and serve them and help them do things better, and you're going to be able to return more money to your investors. And, but if you spend all your time with your investors, then guess what? you're not going to have great results. Um, and so what, what do I see that other people don't see? Um, I have seen a couple times um, where employees at Daytron wanted to serve someone that wasn't a regular customer. They wanted to give some radios away to help them with a disaster. And they had a, a small t amount of time to go make it happen. And they came to me and said, Art, do we need to put an order in the system? I said, when do you need to have this ready? I said, tomorrow morning. I said, we don't have time for put an order in the system. Go make it happen. Go make it happen. And I watched the company come together for a common purpose of helping people. And they had this stuff ready to go the next morning. 24 hours. They had equipment ready to go. We were giving it to a National Guard that was going into Louisiana during Katrina. And uh, so we had the National Guard in California come, come to the plant to get it.
they couldn't get it delivered to the C-130 in time. Uh, C-130 was leaving the next morning. And so I'm stuck. We can't get anything to, together. Red tape is all over the place, <laughs> and everybody's making excuses. As Ken says, the ducks came out. You know, quack, 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 <laughs> we can't do this. So I said, you know, I'm not going to let my employees efforts go to waste. So I went down to Palmer Airport, a little airport here recently, and said, talk to the charter companies. I had one charter company that returned a call. I said, here's what I need. I need a plane to take this equipment up to Sacramento, and I need it tonight. And within an hour, we were on a um, two-prop plane, King Air, loaded with equipment, headed to Sacramento. And when we landed up there, a general in the National Guard backed up his Suburban to the plane. We loaded it up, and he looked at me and said, Art, we've never had anybody do this for us, ever. What you and your company have done, nobody's ever done this for us. Um, that's what I love to do. Now, in September of, i got to remember, this is 19, right? So in September of 17, I was in London for a large defense show. And a retired general from uh, Jordan came to me and said, Art, we want you to have this coin. And they had only made 100 of them uh, for a 100-year anniversary of the Arab revolt in this country. And he says, I want to give this to you. And he put it in his hand and grabbed my hand to shake it. And he held onto my hand and he said, Art, I want you to know that you and the people at Daytron have served the country of Jordan from your heart more than any other company we've done business with. Now, if I could share with people, that is the best thing that a servant leader can, can, can hear from the people they serve, that we serve them from our heart more than mm -hmm. anybody else they've ever done business with. That's what it's all about. Can you serve from your heart? Can they feel it and know that you're there to serve them for the right reasons? Um, it's not just about selling radios, it's about helping them meet their mission and doing it effectively and within budget. But here's a country that said you've served from the heart more than anybody else we've done business with. It's special to me as a servant leader um, to watch that, because I didn't make that happen, my people did. Now, we helped them, we invested in them, we, we gave them, but we gave them the chance to go build trust with customers, to interface with them, to, to do business the right way, not the wrong way. It wasn't about selling radios, it was about serving their mission and purpose. And when you give that to people and they latch onto it and believe that you're here for a bigger reason, mm -hmm. we're here to save lives. That's what we do with our, our military radios. We help people save lives. And we're serious about that. Um, that really makes a difference and, and customers see that. And what I love about it is our competitors have no idea how <laughs> like we... Like, what the heck's what, going uh, on? How does Daytron get this business <laughs> against multi-billion dollar companies and they can't figure it out because they don't serve from the heart, they serve from the pocketbook. And what's interesting is you're also giving us, again, that glimpse into your CEO mindset and what you're looking at is not about, you have yet to mention financials and mm -hmm. data, not that that's not an important part of your job, but you're looking at hearts, you're looking at character, you're looking at, I poured myself into these people through training and resources and your funding, yeah. mm -hmm. and look what's happening. So that, I think that's what you, you told us, right? That's what you're really measuring in a way. 
You know, we believe when we serve people right, serve our employees right, serve our customers right, especially our customers, our customers are going to decide how fast we grow. They're going to decide. And if we serve them right, they're going to come back to us for business again and again and again and again. Now, they may go try someone else's radio for a little while, but they'll come back to us because we serve from the heart. We don't serve from the pocketbook. And there's a big difference to the customer. And they see that. They can't explain it in a proposal. They can't write it down. But they know that when Datron's in their country, they're there because they want to help them, not because they want to sell radios. And that's a big difference in that competitive world is when the customer sees you really care about them, when your employees see that you really care about them, um, that's when you're going to see performance just take off and, and people are going to do things you never thought they, they could do possible and I've seen that over and over and over again I see I see a lot of people coming together for the right reasons with great purpose to help people and when that happens guess what stuff gets done faster trust goes through the roof and performance goes through the roof and I don't have to drive the performance it's just a result of investing and caring for people yeah mm -hmm. Well, besides, uh, you know, we do a lot of things here at the Institute, podcasts, webinars, um, workshops, but we also do an annual servant leadership event. Yes. Yep. And it's coming up in March here, the beginning of March, March 4th and 5th. Art, what are you most looking forward to for the conference this year? Well, you know, first we bring in, you know, Ken's been with us. Ken Blanchard's been with us every year. He's yeah. been a great supporter of, of our efforts. Um he always comes and shows up, and we let him talk for 20 minutes or so. We never put a condition on what he's going to say. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we put him up with a bunch of uh, people that have implemented servant leadership. And this this year, we have a lot of great implementers that are going to join him on, on stage mm -hmm. and go, man, we're going to have a roundtable of people who are making it happen in their companies. And yes. so you're going to get a lot of insight about what people um, have done, how they've been successful at it. Maybe even some of the things they tried that, that didn't work for them. Mm -hmm. But you're going you're gonna to have access to people who are making it happen in organizations. Um, and we've seen transformation in all the organizations that are going to be on stage. And, and that's that, I always look forward to that time frame because we don't script that. We just ask a few questions and we let people talk. And I'm always amazed at what people share. Uh, and you ask Ken, you, you have no idea what's going to come out of him sometimes. <laughs> and that's part of the excitement because um, I just probe him a little bit and he's, he, he starts talking. So I love that part. We've got some new speakers that have never, never been part of our conference before this year. And I always learn from them. There's always something that I mm -hmm. pick up that I go, oh, wow, I missed that one. There's something there I need. Um, we just did a great webinar with uh, Jeff Foley. He's going to be a speaker. And... Um, he, he, I think he's going to just blow people away. Um, and so we have a lot of great speakers. But I think for me this year, and what I've been thinking about this year is, when we talk about servant leadership, we always seem to focus on the good things that come out of implementing yes. servant leadership, the fun things, the good yeah. things. And we always have, what made you feel good, et cetera. Um, this year, I'm going to kick off the conference and challenge you in four or five major areas of life that you face every day and ask you, are you able? 
and we're going to focus on the challenges that you face when you implement servant leadership. The challenges of can you change your mindset and your belief? Can you change who you are and behave differently? When you're in a little bit of the things we're going to talk about, I'll give you four categories of people that, that I use when I teach. You have people that are willing and able. You have people who are not willing but able. You have people that are not willing but able. Or did I say that backwards? And then you have not willing and not able people. Mm -hmm. So everybody fits in a category. And the serving the people who are willing and able, that's a piece of cake. Because they just want to get better. Yeah. How do you serve the person that's not willing and not able? <laughs> How do you serve that person yeah. that's that life? And, you know, I think our our what we believe organizations can see from implementing this culture, you know, people will grow and people will change. Um, we think people will see an integration of uh, life and work, life-work integration. Uh, I don't believe work-life balance is the correct verbiage anymore. I don't think it's a balanced life. It's an integrated life because we bring our personal stuff to work, our good stuff, our challenges. We bring that to work. We don't check it at the door. Um, but I think our challenge that's coming up for servant leaders around the world is how do we serve the life instead of the ideology? And that's something that we're pondering that I don't think we get to pick and choose who we serve in this world anymore. I think we serve the person that comes in front of us, whether they believe the same way we believe, um, regardless of whether it's politics, family, whatever it is, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter because the first focus we should have is serving the life mm -hmm. and not anything else. And if we decide to look at something else in that life and say, I'm not willing to serve that life, I think that's going to be our biggest challenge going forward because there is divisiveness in the world right now. And the best way we can deal with that is get everybody to understand it's okay to disagree. It's okay to say, I have a different set of beliefs and that's okay. Um, and treating everybody with dignity and respect regardless of what box they fall in, uh, I think that's the biggest challenge. And, and you know, you talk about generations, um, generations have challenges. I have a set of beliefs because I'm 64. And I've grown up with those beliefs. So I'm, I'm learning that my beliefs and being a 64-year-old in, in the boomer category box isn't going to help me when it comes to talking to the younger generation. I have to get out of that box and go meet people where they are. If I'm able to do that, then I'm going to meet people where they are and I'm going to move into their community, their box, and leave my box behind. Are you able to do that in the generations? Are you able to do that in the political arena? Are you able to do that in your family? You know, last Thanksgiving, it just amazed me. I heard something on the radio <laughs> about how to deal with your family members who are in different political parties. <laughs> and, and you go, okay, isn't family more important? Isn't spending time together as a family more important than anything else? 
Do we love each other unconditionally or are we going to put conditions on? And that's really what I think servant leadership of the future is all about is can we serve people unconditionally mm-hmm. regardless of whether we agree or disagree in multiple areas? That's really the question. Can we treat everybody with dignity and respect when we, when we disagree? It's easy to do that with people who are willing and able or believe in the same thing or on board with what we do. But, you know, like I said at Daytron, we have one thing that we ask people to have, and that's a heart to help people. And we don't say it has to be this type of person, it has to be in this type of box, it has to be here. We just say we want you to have a heart to help people because that's what I think servant leadership is all about, is serving that life that's placed in front of you, whether it's for five seconds a day five minutes at a time, or you've got someone in your company every day you interface with. Um, how can you add value and treat that life with dignity and respect? And part of that is people are gonna mess up mm-hmm. in that. They're not gonna be perfect when you decide to do that. And so there has to be grace that's part of that dignity and respect. That dignity and respect that you show people has to include grace and forgiveness. That's gotta be a part of it. Um, And I think that's how servant leaders of the future are going to be viewed. Um, Can they treat people with dignity and respect? Can they extend grace and forgiveness? And can they love people unconditionally? Um, Without putting any restrictions on it. And I think, you know, if people can do that, then I think this world could be a whole better place to live. Uh, It can affect communities, families, um, businesses, countries and I think that's really where servant leadership is headed Um, and that's what I'm working on to try and how do I get that across to people and help them apply their real life challenges to thinking and having a different mindset and serving others yeah back to that as you mentioned the beginning that practicality of how you teach how the institute is is formed is to help people with these very everyday cha- challenges. Right. So yep. starting the conference with this bold challenges is, is going to be amazing. And, and what we've done is we've lined up leaders and people who are going to talk, and they're going to help you go find the answer to how you can get better in all these areas. There's all kinds of teachings that are going to happen. They're going to give you tools. They're going to give you ideas. They're going to give you on how to meet those challenges. And at the end of the conference, uh, we're still putting this together, but I think we're going to have spend a little time together as a family, a community of servant leaders, writing on a, on, a, on a piece of paper what we plan to do in each one of those categories. What are we going to do to get better and treat people with dignity and respect? Um, and talk about what are you going to take back with you from the conference instead yeah. of this feeling good that you hung out with people with a similar mindset, but what are you going to do to go impact the world? Right. What are you going to do through your behaviors to make a difference and loving people unconditionally. And that's what we hope to get started. Yeah, but the, all, the lead, everybody speaking there is gonna help you, hopefully in some form or fashion, right. help you along your own transformation journey, yeah. We just really wanna encourage people to go to our website and register. We have some seats left, it usually sells out. Yep. And you gotta be there. Plus, it's in Carlsbad, California, <laughs> and it's sunny and warm right sunny now. Sunny and warm, no snow. No so snow. So you don't have to bring a snow shovel. No snow. Um, but you know, here's the environment we try to create for people. Uh, we have, a, we have, we've always given people time to try and interface with our speakers. Mm-hmm. And we believe, and we keep it small. We don't. We we try to keep it in the 250, 300 range, 
Um, because we want people to be able to interface with the speakers, ask them questions. Uh, if you want to take pictures with them, take pictures, talk to them. Because there's a lot of value to that, and then we want to give you time to interface with the other people at the conference as well, and not feel like you got lost in a thousand or fifteen hundred people. Um, and so the environment we set up is fun. The environment that that my team at SLI uh, provides you is uh, different than most conferences you'll attend. But we we want people in the community to be able to talk and share ideas and share experiences and share what they're learning and spend time together. Uh, and that's uh, a little unique for us. Um, and um, that's what I love so much about the team is, you know, with, once we get done with the conference, we're going to be working on a theme for next year. <laughs> yeah. And we'll work probably for three months trying to figure out what we want the theme to be. And then we'll start figuring out who can support that theme and speakers and, and what we want to accomplish and, and help people learn and add value. So. Um, don't miss out on this opportunity because it's going to be a special time with a lot of special people. Uh, I think people will grow and be able to change their mindset and possibly even see that there's a better way out there hmm. um, to care for people and care for the customers. And it will make you feel great inside. But it will also drive your competitors nuts because they won't <laughs> understand the, what you're doing, what and that's are, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. you um, know, Art, as as uh, we round our out our uh, discussion here and come to our close, I know you've been kind of contemplating the definition of servant leadership. Something we've been asked a lot: What is this? And it's it's been fluid, right? We keep trying to get there and what really it is. And I know you're you're still working on it, but share a little bit about to you what servant leadership is. Well, you know, I definitely want want to um, um, see the people that I serve grow. But I don't think that's what it is. I, I, I think I think in the future it's going to require a little bit more from leaders. Um, uh, are people better off after they've come in contact with you? I think that's that's a positive too. But my current thinking today is more about life versus ideology, and how can servant leaders serve a life even when they disagree with it? Even when they disagree with it, how do you love them up and care for them and treat them with dignity and respect when they don't agree with what what what? with you in whatever subject it is. I don't care what it is. You fill in the blank. And I think when people can do that and do it from the heart and do it truthfully and honestly, I think that's really what servant leadership is all about. You serve the life. You serve the people. You don't serve a party. You don't serve an idea. You don't serve a product. You serve the life. And... I think that's what servant leaders need to focus on is serving that life. And it's not the life that we get to choose mm -hmm. to serve, it's the life that's put in front of us. And when you start thinking about the lives that come across your path, a lot of times they come across your path for a reason. And they're there to challenge you and challenge you in your beliefs. And a lot of times that isn't easy for leaders to do. But if you can do that with anyone, and, here, and here's, 
you know, I've thought about this for a long time, and, th and this statement really had an impact on me when I learned about it. It was, if I can disagree, let's say I work for a general manager and I'm um, the head of operations. If I can disagree with the general manager who's running the plant, if I can disagree with him before he makes a decision and give him all the feedback, etc., that's great. But he's the guy that makes the ultimate decision. When he makes that decision, can I support that decision, or I'm gonna, am I gonna be continually the one in the hallway saying this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, or this person doesn't know? Can you support a the decision you don't agree with when the authority, the person that's responsible for the entire organization, makes that decision? And that organization could be a family, uh, it could be any political party, it could be any culture, um, it could be anything. And I think that's really what servant leadership needs to be going forward. I, I think every life that comes in our path needs to be better off after they've come in contact with us. And not just because we smiled, but because we served. Mm. And when we have the opportunity to add value to that life, we take the time and add value to that life. Um, and you know, one of my biggest challenges is is tattoos, and I don't even I can't even say it right, you know. Um, but what I've learned is I ask the younger generation that has all these colors on their arms, I ask who their artist is. And I've learned that when I ask that, I'm serving the life, and not my own belief that people that want to put ink on their skin are a lesser person than me because they're not a lesser person than I am. They're the same person that I am. I just choose not to do that. It doesn't mean they're worth less. Worth less, mm -hmm. not worthless, but worth less. Uh, they're the same life. And when I show interest in what they enjoy doing, I'm showing interest in their life. And I love the reaction I get from people that ask. And I've asked people of all ages, all ages, and we were at a training, um, we were doing some training at the company. I won't, I won't tell you the name <laughs> of the company. And I did this routine where I asked people who has a tattoo, because I didn't see anybody with a tattoo in the group. Usually I can pick them out and see them and, and do this. But I saw him and I, I said, you know, he rose his hand. He said, yeah, I have one. I said, can we see it? He said, no. I said, well, I haven't had that, ex had that experience <laughs> quite yet where somebody says, no, you can't see it. And I thought, okay, so I asked the, the, the young man, I said, so do people, uh, your peers in the room, know something more about you than they <laughs> did before they came in the session? He says, yep, absolutely. I said, and, but he smiled, and everybody laughed. And I think getting people's stories out is part of what servant leaders can do to help bring the communities together and, and the people that don't have the same uh, beliefs, et cetera. Um, how do we pull them together and let them enjoy life together? Because life is, is better together with a lot of people than it is with just a few. And um, so that's kind of my thing. I, I'm kind of thinking out loud. I haven't put everything down and I'm still working through some research and, and some things there. But I think going into the 20th century, I mean, we're, we're one year away from 2020. And, um, when we get into that part of the time, I think servant leaders have to change and meet people where they are. And 
Times has changed quite a bit since I was 25 years old. <laughs> and I know my approach to leading when I was 25 won't work today when I'm 64. It won't work. Um, and I think that's, the definition has to be timeless. And I think that's what I'm trying, I'm searching for, is how do we get this timeless definition mm -hmm. of what um, being a true servant of other people really is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating and, and will be fun to see it evolve. And I noticed we completed pretty much our conversation here today, Art, and, and you didn't get any kind of weird no. looks from Carol. I, don't think so. I, I, think, I, I think you're okay. I, I think I was looking at you 80% of the time because I've, I've, I've gotten the look before. Were you and afraid? Instead, yeah, yeah, I've gotten the look before, and that, that's, not a, that's not a good thing. Okay, so everybody understand. Carol and I go back to 1997. She was at Daytron before I joined. I think you joined... 96. 96. I joined in October 97. Um, and so she's, she's been through the entire Daytron uh, experience, and that's why she's so great in her role in, in uh, servant leadership as, as Institute is because she knows the story so well. And both, both sides of the coin, the good stories and the bad stories. And uh, hmm. We're here to share it all. Uh, we may spruce up the bad side of the story a little <laughs> bit with the Carol's help, but she reminds us about the struggles we have, and I think that's that's another thing that sets us apart is we're willing to talk about both sides of the coin, not just the the, the positive side. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Being transparent. You know, before we close, I just have to ask you one more question. As you were making this transition at Daytron to servant leadership. Was there ever a time or a day when you walked into your office and said, this is not going to work? Um, I don't think I, I would have ever had that time where I said, this culture is not going to work. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of times where I said, my approach isn't going to work. Oh, okay. All right. So my approach to trying to get everybody on board with servant leadership, there were times when I would go, I don't understand why people aren't catching the, catching onto this like I like I feel about it. Why aren't oh, they feeling okay. the same way? And I hadn't taken the time to understand. I needed to meet them where they are uh -huh. and help them go from where they are. Not expect them just to jump on board and be fully acceptable where I am. Right? I mean, when we started down the servant leadership path, I said, "Hey, we're going to be a servant-led organization." CEOs announced it. My experience is, you follow the CEO. <laughs> Two, two years later, I look around, I have a few people following me, but the entire leadership team wasn't following me. They were just waiting for the latest fad, and I right. use the word management fad, to yeah. go away because yeah. they've been exposed to it all. They come and go. Um, and, you know, this wasn't going to be a, pa a fad, fad for us. So I think I had that more about some of the things I tried to get people on board because I was going through my own transformation. I hadn't learned how to meet people where they were, where they were yet and help them grow from where they were yeah. instead of growing from where I was. Um, and then I learned my other big takeaway was people are going to transform at their own speed. Mm -hmm. And as a leader, I had 30, almost 35 leaders in the company that were transforming at their own speed. And how do you manage that and get results at the same time? Talk about a challenge. Yeah. Um, one person's a little bit further behind, the other one's moving forward. So there was a lot of questions on my methods, on 
whether or not I was doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever had a time where I said, I, I'm going to junk servant leadership because it's just not going to work. Um, yeah. I, I was I was dedicated and, and felt that that's what I'm that was that was what I was going to be the rest of my life. I was going to be someone who served other people. Yeah. You were committed. I was committed. Yeah, my methods were. <laughs> you know, I was still learning. So, uh, but those are some of the challenges that I hope to share with people. That you know doesn't get talked about very often. We always focus on the on the right. fun stuff, and I that's think we important. need to give people yep. tools on how to face the challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, I think everybody's been able to see a bit of your heart today, Art, as far as so passionate about serving others and dedicated to being really at the forefront of this movement and being, you know, challenging people, being bold, and that's you. I mean, you're 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 not looking to just fit into a box, but you want to really challenge people to take a look at this and practice it. It's not easy, but we give them the tools, uh, the, our nine behaviors, which helps, and right. lots of resources and what have you to, to really practice it. Keep going. And we need everybody's help. This mm -hmm. is not about art or Robin or Carol right. or SLI. This is about a movement to treat people with dignity and respect and get back to loving people unconditionally. And you know what? That's what's most important. So we need your help to do this. We need you to, to jump on this movement because having servant leadership be the survivor of this, that's what's important. Yeah. Not my name. I, I don't want my name attached to anything. When I'm gone, I'm, I'm done on earth. I'm done. <laughs> and, I, and other people need to pick up the ball and run with it and, and keep moving forward with it. And so we need everybody's help to do this. And so hopefully you'll have the courage to join us on the journey. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Art. This has been a great... Um, Great fun to have you here with us and appreciate the time. I think to serve Brian here, our video guy, we better call this a wrap because he hasn't had lunch yet. Yeah, I know. Is that <laughs> so, right? Okay. Yeah, all we right, got to so. call this a wrap. Uh, throw, throw a bag of, of, of chips. chips or something. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep <laughs> That's them going. What he needs. Okay. Thank you guys for having me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And thanks, thanks. Carol, oh, for thank always so uh, being here for, for art and keeping him, uh, you know, on the straight and narrow for sure oh yes sir <laughs> yep. all right yep. okay, thanks guys. everybody for being with us we sure appreciate uh your support and your feedback about our podcast program and um check out our website for all uh, the other information we have there for you have a good one we hope you enjoyed this episode registration for our upcoming 2019 servant leader conference is open the theme this year is are you able it's a simple question that holds a lot of weight Visit our website at www.servantleadershipinstitute.com to get all the details about how to register. Thank you once again for allowing us to add value to your day.